0: see you there would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me i'll be your captain i'm steve
1: (laughs) Harrington, and i'm colin
0: and i'm whitney and this is scoops ahoy a stranger things podcast where we go week by week chapter by chapter taking a look at every single episode of stranger things we started with season one episode one and we have now made it to season four we're on episode eight but before we get to colin's recap we have a question for you guys for our audience.
1: Yeah, it's going to it's going to we're, we're heading into the great black void of no stranger things nothingness. So we want to hear from you guys. You know, we we like doing this, but obviously we're not going to be recapping episodes, you know, for the next two years because we've done them all. But wondered if you guys had any thoughts on what you think we should do, whether it's just doing kind of random top 10 lists every couple of weeks, you know, like best characters or best storyline or unanswered questions going into episode uh, season five or whatever. We also talked about maybe watching and talking about some of the movies that influence Stranger Things. So Jaws, Poltergeist, E.T., Close Encounters, Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street, that kind of stuff. So uh, do you have any thoughts?
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like them. I'm really sad to say goodbye to this for a little bit, like just in general. I, I'm sad. to. I mean, I talk to you every day, but I'm saying just in general, our little podcast because we've gotten quite a little community out of it. And I enjoy the the people that you know write in each week and tell us what they think. And I like it, it's fun to interact with everyone. So we definitely want to know what you guys think. If it's you want us to look at certain aspects of the show, if you want us to dive into just I mean we could talk about 80s stuff in general. I don't know. It's yeah we're we're we really want to know what you guys think. So if you want and you have an idea for us we would love to hear it you can email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com and hopefully by the end of we'll have two more episodes after this we'll do you know we'll do our you know deep dive into the season finale of season four and then we'll do our recap of the whole season and final thoughts but after that
1: we'll probably end up splitting the last episode i would imagine so we might be able to sneak
0: oh yeah
1: <laughs> so we can yeah we'll do we'll do we'll do we'll split um the piggyback and then we'll have our kind of our season recap and then we could even do one more week and just do a mm-hmm. our seasons one through four recap so
0: yeah yeah so but yeah we-, we love to
1: i mean no no idea is too stupid and we would i mean no we're, we're here for you guys so if there's something you want us to do or talk about or if you want us to just go away for two years that's fine too whatever
0: yes and i mean keep your fingers crossed that it's really not two years total but you never know but this you know season five is going to be huge so yeah
1: yeah we're assuming two years but who knows
0: yeah so all right that's it for your question that's your all that's your all's homework
1: yeah you guys have homework
0: (laughs) yeah so all right colin give us our recap and then we'll jump into the show
1: The eighth chapter of Stranger Things 4, titled Papa, debuted on Netflix on July 1st, 2022. It was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers and has a runtime of one hour, 27 minutes and 13 seconds. It's the early morning hours of Thursday, March 27th, 1986, and Nancy is still stuck in Vecna's mind lair. She tries to run away, but, you know, he's Vecna, so eventually he ties her to a chair and wants her to tell Elle everything he shows her. What she sees is Hawkins on fire, dead soldiers, a giant creature with a gaping mouth, and her family. He then lets her go. At the prison, the Demogorgon is still loose and climbing the walls. When the guards open fire on it, our heroes hear a racket coming from behind a closed door. They find a Demodog cut open on an operating table along with incubator tubes with more monsters and a room full of swirling black smoke. They decide it's time to go, so they escape through the sewers to the van and crash through the front gate. In the bunker, Elle wakes up from her memories and her powers are mostly back, depending on who you believe. She picks up the tank and then sets it back down again. Owen tells her all about Chrissy, Fred, and Patrick and she decides it's time to go home but Brenner says she's still not ready. She retreats to her room and goes into the void to spy on her friends who are in Max's trailer plotting to kill Vecna. They realize he's one kill away and Dustin guesses that when he is killing he may be vulnerable. They steal a neighbor's RV and head to the war zone to stock up. Meanwhile, in the Nevada desert, the boys are still trying to find the Nina project. While on the drive, Will shows Mike his painting and then does everything but announce he's gay and in love with his best friend. They pull over and Argyle notices military tire tracks, so they decide to follow them. Owens agrees with Elle that she can leave the bunker if she wants, but Brenner disagrees. He handcuffs Owens, has his MPs take over the lab, and sedates and collars Elle. While back in Russia, Yuri reveals Katinka, his dilapidated helicopter, and Enzo tries to call Owens back in the States. As the gang heads to the war zone, Steve tells Nancy about his dream of having six kids, which, you know, he already does, and going on an RV vacation. Once at the store, Nancy has a run-in with Jason, while Robin sees Vicky smooching her boyfriend. They all get their gear and then head to a lovely meadow to prep. Back at the bunker, Sullivan arrives with his army, forcing Brenner to escape to the surface with L. He's shot several times, and despite Owens' pleas, Sullivan orders his chopper sniper to kill L. too. Just then, the boys drive up, distracting the shooter. It's enough time to give L a a chance to get up and start force-pushing the chopper, which she tosses to the ground. Mike runs up and gives her a hug as a mortally-wounded Brenner releases her collar. He wants her to believe that he did everything for her, but she just says goodbye and leaves with the boys. Sullivan watches them go. Back in Hawkins, the arm-to-the-teeth RV gang is on the warpath. Erica, Max, and Lucas get dropped off at the Creel House. And that's the end of Chapter 8.
0: And it was, it was a lot.
1: <laughs> oh, they're so... I know we say this every week. because like my notes are going on for pages. I and-
0: know. I know. But before before we get into anything else, let's let's do your homework. All so. right,
1: I'm going to kill this. I got it. I'm I'm okay. doing it.
0: Are you ready for your homework?
1: You're late again. Okay, I had to get catch up homework. Let's go. OK,
0: number one. What does the billboard inside Warzone say?
1: Well, there's a whole bunch of signs, but there's one for
0: there's one that Peter's, you put the letters on.
1: The, there's the Peter's sporting ammunition one. Is that the, the one you're talking about? That's a big one in the background
0: no it has a message on it it's someone that like puts those letters on it
1: oh poo because I, I spent a lot of time looking at the peter's ammunition thing uh dang it i was gonna get this too i i was so distracted there was so much stuff going on in there you can i know you, yeah
0: it said keep america safe stay strong okay great message yeah yes reminiscent <laughs> of things So, okay. Number two, how many Demogorgons did the Russians have
1: in storage? Yeah. I knew you were going to ask me that. And I was trying to count and I'm like, it looked like four or five. I don't know. It was kind of hard to count them. It was four. I had to watch it twice, but it was four.
0: Now I'm talking about just like in the the tubes. Embalming fluid or whatever that was. Okay. Number three, there's a sticker on the window that Eddie opens to steal the Winnebago. There's a bunch of stickers on that Winnebago, but I'm talking about the one. Yep
1: oh what does it say and I looked at it and I know it and it's oh for god's sakes as soon as you tell me I'll know it and it's driving Mm -hmm. me nuts Grand Ole Opry thank you god bless it I knew that
0: (laughs) Grand Ole Opry okay number four what is the helicopter pilot's call handle I guess that's what you call it what does he refer to himself as on the walkie-talkie
1: Oh, because Sullivan was Victor something, which I thought was kind of funny because it was Victor. I mean, it could be any three, like Charlie Kilos Delta. I don't don't know. I'm not going to get that.
0: Charlie Lima Golf.
1: I was, come on. I was close. Mm
0: -hmm, You were. Man, you jinxed yourself. I know. You jinxed yourself this time. Okay. All right. You got one more, one more episode to make it up. So.
1: All right. And I, I watched like I watched this episode three times in three days. I'm like, and I'm Are you serious? And like this the is- last the last like watch and a half was like all I was doing was like looking at background stuff. <laughs> like-
0: this is the first time I've watched it since it came out. Oh really? Yeah. Uh I I was I've been putting it off because it yeah. it hurts so bad knowing what's coming.
1: Yeah, it's so good though. I I love uh, all the stuff with the Hawkins guys and the RV and Cause there's a lot of moments in there, like the whole thing with, with Steve and his nuggets and, yeah. you know, there's just a lot of nice emotional moments that build the characters and get you invested in the story. You know, it could have very easily just been, okay, we got guns. Okay. Let's drive and practice. And, you know, and, but they take time to like build these characters and.
0: They do. It's a lot of, it's very touching and it's in, and- it does give you that ominous feeling that like what Robin says, it's might not work out for him this time. Yeah. You know, everybody, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like the previous finales where you're like, whatever, they're going to beat the mind flare. Yeah.
1: They're all, all, as soon as they all come back together, it'll be fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, I don't know that there was that scene with, with Erica and Lucas when they were making their weapons and, she was like, even if you're a bench riding loser, you're still my brother, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and he was saying, you know, she was at every one of his games and, you know, Dustin telling, or Eddie telling Dustin, like never change. And it's sweet. Yeah, like, but it's, no
1: wedgies, no wedgies. I thought that was. Yeah. That
0: was yeah. I mean, it was cute. And I mean, Dustin doesn't have a dad and he looks up to both Steve and Eddie. So it was, it's sweet.
1: You know, I mean, like the scene you mentioned a couple. Of, I mean, the scene with Lucas and Max in the back of the, um, in the back of the RV with the, you know, you know, was the memory was I in your memory and that kind of thing. I mean, those are like little tiny mm-hmm. scenes that would probably would have ended up on a cutting room floor somewhere. You know, I'm so glad they didn't though. Actually, speaking of which, I was going to talk about this later, but I'll we'll talk about it now. Sherry wrote in; uh, she's one of our regular emailers, mm-hmm. and she mentioned there's a podcast. It's a really good podcast it's called the rough cut podcast and Sherry and i had never heard of it but sherry mentioned it to me and they actually had on it's a guy who works for avid the video editing software and he has on editors from everything from i think their latest um episode that just dropped was for the movie elvis the the one with tom hanks in it Mm -hmm. um he did one with the editors of top gun maverick so he just sits down and he talks with the editors of everything and he talks with the three editors and the visual effects editor for stranger things four about how they put it all together. It's fascinating. It's like an hour long, Um, but they kind of walk through the whole thing. But one of the things they said was that there are no deleted scenes. There are no scenes that have ended up on the cutting room floor.
0: Just this episode or the whole season? The whole
1: series. They have That's never, weird. They have never had a deleted scene because the way it's written and it's written so well and everything just fits so well. Now, they did say that back in season one, and they didn't go into details, they did say back in season one, there was one episode or one scene that they ended up kind of reshooting and kind of retooling and stuff. So the original version didn't work, but it was still the same essentially scene. But yeah, they've never, I mean, so you think of like buying the DVDs and getting all the cool deleted scenes. There are none in Stranger Things.
0: Okay. So what's funny is that the little like group that I talked to that I became friends with through the course of this season just because of they're they are just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to stuff about the show and they get it from their different sources and they scour. The internet to find stuff but one of the things that went around and this was one of the more popular things were there were images of of ambulances and someone on a stretcher in that in hawkins and that photo of someone on a stretcher has long ish curly hair which is what people are going you know people are desperate like to believe that someone makes it that doesn't make it, mm-hmm. and they are convinced that that's this person, but now i'm wondering they where all those scenes went where all those what were all those photos there's a ton
1: yeah I, I mean I have a feeling like maybe like little little bits may have been clipped out or something just for time
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know if if they you know or, yeah, or just maybe
0: not scenes
1: and and some of it was improv too I mean there are some improv bits, and so maybe they shot the scene one way and then kind of shot it again. Um, they actually talked about the shootout scene in Dear Billy that they ended up, I remember I said that mm-hmm. John uh, Charlie Heaton said that he thought it was like five takes or something. And they said there was actually 14 takes that they did of the shootout, uh, that one shootout yeah. scene. So, you know, obviously when you have things like that, you're going to have, you know, bits and pieces. But as as like a whole scene, you know, in and of itself, we have seen yeah. everything that has been written. You know, there haven't been any kind of, Random things that never made it into the show. So that's awesome. Oh, that was, was kind of cool. I'll post a link to that podcast. It's it's really really good.
0: So I want to talk about the war zone. Okay. Can we talk about the war zone?
1: We can talk about anything. We haven't really talked about anything yet, but we well,
0: <laughs> you know, I know we do. Can we? Are we starting with the Hawkins group this time?
1: We can. Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. I need to know why everyone in all of Hawkins was just perusing this gun store. Like it was a damn flea market on a Saturday. Like they were.
1: It well, was... let's digress for a bit uh, because one okay. of uh, one of our our, res- our regular listeners, Chris, was actually an extra in that scene. Okay. Okay. And and so he wrote a email about his experience and everything, and 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 so some of that is in here, and then we can we can talk about it because I have some thoughts on it too. So
0: it, it literally makes me giggle. I know because it's it's like it was like the mall on a right. saturday afternoon yeah. the kids are like seeing their friends like hey what's right. up was like, so a
1: the woman there was a polka dyed, woman in a polka dotted dress with pearls yeah and she was looking at the knives and stuff was, yeah it was, yeah it's funny okay so uh, this is from chris mangram and he wrote in to us i saw the call on facebook from casting taylor made looking for stranger things store shoppers and i applied back in may of 2021 that night, I got a text message asking if I could be in Atlanta the next day for a COVID test and a costume fitting. I live about four and a half hours away in Tennessee, so I left early the next morning, took the test. When I got there, had my fitting, and they also shaved my beard into a mustache, which was kind of fun. We were supposed to film the following Tuesday, June 1st, but the shoot was delayed until Monday, June 14th. 2021 at 7:30 a.m when i first heard we were in the war zone scenes i had no idea what that meant or what to expect was i going to die on camera i certainly hope so <laughs> when i arrived on set they shuttled us into this super hot waiting area this was june in atlanta and we were wearing masks Gosh. as much as possible we didn't finish filming until after 10 p.m that day i was cast as a white collar shopper not an angry hick that Erica was afraid of. And I made it into two shots. The first is the pan early on from Max to Erica. When Erica knocks the bug zapper into her cart, you can see me behind Max with my sunglasses on my head. The next shot was when Robin and Steve see Vicky. After rehearsing multiple times, the actors came on set and I was flabbergasted. That's actually Joe Keery, I thought. In fact, Joe and Maya ran right by me several times in the final cut. I'm directly between them in a yellow jacket right after Steve says, what are you going to do? Stand and gawk. So you can see him.
0: I've seen that. I've seen him. I've actually seen Chris's post on Twitter because one of our mutual like followers or people that we follow posted it. So I was like, oh, and then when you said his name that he had written in, I was like, oh, I know what that is. I know exactly what you were talking about. His
1: Twitter Uh, billboard is is the frame freeze frame of that shot so he said that was it but i got to stay on set and watch them film the other stuff including nancy and jason at the gun counter which was the last scene filmed that day i couldn't hear what the actors were saying so i had no idea what was really going on the only real plot point i heard outside of vicky being robin's love interest was that eddie was wanted for the murder of chrissy because the hellfire posters were hanging in the store yeah Though I didn't meet any of the cast, I spent several hours filming with Joe, Maya, Sadie, Priya, and Natalia. I also caught glimpses of Gaten, Joe, Quinn, and Caleb, but never filmed with them directly. Sean Levy actually directed all of the Warzone scenes, and he was absolutely awesome. I remember when he was helping Maya capture the right mood and facial expressions after seeing Vicky snuggled up with some college boy and shouting, a boy, you know, she's with a boy, you know, to kind of get her (laughs) in character. Yeah. I was sure I would be in episode three or four because Sean directs those episodes. uh, But I think they were going all hands on deck with the directors to get everything done with the time crunch of the 14 or hour, 14 or so hours on set. I spent three to four hours filming a couple hours, watching the other scenes and the rest waiting in that extremely hot waiting area. At the end of the day, though, I was ultimately starstruck and on the set of my favorite show with a legit shot of being in the background. And he was what an experience. I will never forget it. But one of the other things that he mentioned in the email was Going back to your point, they were kind of giving them direction that the town is in a panic because of all these murders, and everybody is going to get weapons and stocking up to, you know, face off against the serial killer. So I think that kind of is kind of in response to your question on why was the whole town there. So I think it just
0: seemed like a natural disaster was coming. It was like people were stocking up for a storm or something. Right. Yeah. It just made me laugh because also how 80s of them to just have you know anybody and everybody just buying like retail guns
1: (laughs) yeah and knives (laughs) and and I mean Eric is buying a you know I mean obviously for a reason she's buying the bug zapper and other people you know Vicky was looking at mace and you know all that kind of stuff so yeah Yeah. it was was crazy but yeah so thank you Chris for writing in that was great it was it's some really it's neat to see that's cool kind of how it how it goes so do you want to back up? Do you want to kind of do this like we usually do and kind of go through kind of scene by scene? Or do you want to just kind of- Yeah,
0: well, whatever you want to do because it's it's a long episode, so.
1: Yeah, so let's back up to Russia. We get Joyce bandaging out Popper and she calls Murray the Starsky, the Starsky to my hutch. Which I think was probably a, a, a reference that was lost on a lot of people. I'll actually post oh, a yeah. link <laughs> to the opening credits to scene Charles of Gain Gain Nuts. Gain Nuts. Yeah, ran on ABC from 1975 to 1979. It was kind of a cop detective show. Was, I never really watched it, but I was aware of it. Um, I was you know anywhere from four to eight when it was on. So yeah. She tells them uh, that they had the funeral. And then the first scene that kind of made me go, wait a second. And that was when the guard is up on the catwalk and saying, lower your weapons. And I'm like, why are you saying lower your weapons? And then I remembered the whole hive mind idea. And so apparently the guards were kind of in on the hive mind, you know, that if you shoot one, then you're going to.
0: Then they all die.
1: Yeah. Because they're all shooting. He's they're all getting ready to shoot and start shooting. And he's like, no, stop shooting at him. And I'm like, well, this monster is three feet in front of you. Why don't you want him to shoot? Yeah, and then, and then I realized it was because of the hive mind idea. So,
0: but I thought you had to kill the the main one to kill. Okay, all
1: of well them. then why why is he telling them to put their weapons down?
0: I thought they just wanted to preserve the monster, like that. Like Russia needed it. Like Russia, the Soviets would be mad if they got rid of their precious, you know,
1: weapons. Yeah, it could be, yeah. And no, I, I kind of took it as the hive mind idea, but I'm. I'm I mean, you could be right. I don't know. I mean, they had incubator tubes full of how many? Four more. Four. <laughs> For. yeah Monsters, so.
0: and those those already looked dead i thought they were just preserving those for like science experiments or something.
1: yeah and and why wouldn't they flinch or whatever when the other one got shot too so were they dead were they like frozen or yeah you know, whatever or something so
0: and then that wine the wine which i felt kind of bad for it it was all like sliced open on the table Didn't oh my look god that
1: was freaky oh my lord was that was gross so, but oh, i felt bad for it i know right we're starting to pity kind of the demo dogs.
0: I just kind of felt bad. I was like, dang, they like it why would they just leave it to to be in so much pain? Yeah. So also, how did they capture the mind flare is essentially just an angry cloud?
1: How did yes. they get it? That was that was that was one of my questions too. How did they how did they capture it and put it in a you know a yeah, glass tank a container. or container? Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of gloss over that little. <laughs> I was just
0: swirling around in there. I was like, "What if they got like one of those like like a super-sized vacuum yeah. or something and like sucking <laughs> in? I don't know, but I was definitely wondering about it
1: so enzo calls uh yuri a double crossing mudak so of course i had to look up what mudak means and literally it's a castrated pig but it has come to mean you know asshole or douchebag or you know whatever so in russian russian slang they get to the church we see katinka complete with no rotors so somehow they got the you know have to get the rotors rotors back on and then joyce gives enzo the number to call and it's did you call it I did, and it's a—it's just a deadline. It's like uh, the number you reach, the number you're trying to call can't be reached. But she gave area code seven seven five, which didn't come into being until nineteen ninety eight. All of Nevada was one area code until ninety eight when they split to you know seven seven five. So a little anachronistic, but we'll keep going. So, okay, Cali, Cali boys, we see that the pizza shop is now expanded into Nevada. That will come into play later. Will gives Mike the painting of the red dragon and the and tells him about the heart. And then opens up to him and and ends up crying and and he's talking about l, but he's really talking about himself, so where do you come down on on the scene with will?
0: first of all, I was very disappointed in his artistic skills. I thought it would be much better than that. I was waiting for it to be like a masterpiece. It looks like that looks like like a like a ten year old druid. Like. Why don't you just draw some stick figures? I mean, he was drawing that stuff in, like, season one. I know,
1: right? The Like, Holly could have drawn a better picture, maybe?
0: Yeah, and, like, the way he was <laughs> just so lovingly, like, painting it. And I was like, oh, I can't w- It's going to be, like, the most realistic painting ever. And it was basically, like, one half of it was green as the grass. And yeah. the other half of it was blue as the sky. <laughs> and then there was a very rudimentary dragon with three heads drawn. That's and... Great. There were four nights.
1: Right. Okay, so let's it, move beyond that.
0: Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, I got do. real hung up on it because yeah. I was very disappointed in it. Right. But well, I mean, he had it like an easel in his room, like he was a professional. Right. And that's what came out of that. <laughs> My God, pick up another hobby, Will. Anyways, they gave Will the corniest line. It's so corny when he says that, and it's not. It's not Noah Schnapp's fault. It's not even Will's fault it's the writer's fault who's what teenage boy is saying without heart we'd fall apart nobody's saying that
1: yeah no I I I kind of agree too I mean I I get the sentiment and I thought it was acted well and I get kind of what he was saying but yeah it kind of it kind of rang a little hollow for me
0: it was just so and I never think of Stranger Things as having corny dialogue ever maybe a little bit in three maybe but for the most part, no. And they, and I know it's not supposed to be funny, but the way that Mike, like that Will pumps Mike up with this, and then he turns to the side and he is sobbing. But I mean, he's literally shaking with sobs.
1: And, and, and Mike is oblivious.
0: It's like that gif of that monkey who is like, you know, it looks to the side like real awkward, like awkward yeah. monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't want to notice yeah. that is, that is what I feel like Mike is doing to will. And I don't, you know, the sheet, the seat was shaking. Right. Oh yeah. Off. And everyone's like, Oh, that was so mean of Mike. And so, but I could only just kind of identify with him. I am so uncomfortable when someone cries in front of me, I would probably ignore them too. Like, I'm just, it makes me, I'm just not good at it. Sure. So I, I, I mean, I guess they're like, oh, we could die. You know, and Will's like, I got to get this out. But then he he got scared and I can't blame him. He can't even come. out. I mean, like, it's a big deal. And we're in the 80s. We're yeah. in the 80s. We're literally no one is accepting of this. Right. So. No, it doesn't shock me. That he didn't say the words. I know everyone was real mad about it, but if you can't pick up that he's gay, then I don't know what to tell you right. at, <laughs> yes. this yes. at this point,
1: at this point. Yes. Yeah. So then Argyle sees the uh, military tracks and his whole bit with Nina and and being a small woman behind a small tree.
0: I think Argyle is secretly a genius. (laughs) He's just great. I love him. I think he's secretly very, very smart.
1: Yeah, I agree. Let's do the L and the Nina stuff. And then we can kind of wrap up with the Hawkins stuff. So we get Marty uh, collapsing at the beginning. I like the uh, the Acme, Acme Tattoo Ink. It kind of reminded me of Wiley Coyote that Brenner was using on Henry. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's, it says Acme Black Tattoo Ink. What,
0: what do you think is the point? Do you think it's the numbers? It's just to make them less human in his eyes where it's just like, oh, he's an experiment.
1: Or to keep track of them, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he well, could have he could have named them Jen and Susie and Billy and Ralph. And yeah, Brian, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just kind of that makes them more human, though. It makes them if he if he puts numbers on them, then they do just seem like science experiments.
1: Yeah, because he does he does kind of treat them like lab rats. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so
1: she lifts up the tank, which I thought was which was really cool, and then so Owen shows L the victims' files. And then Brenner goes on this whole, you know, thing about how everything's the world is ending and blah, blah, blah. And then Owen says, thanks doc. You know, that wasn't ominous at all, even though you just yeah. showed her, you know, corpses, <laughs> three dead teenagers. Right. But-,
0: but I will say that it's Brenner's presentation. Yes. You know, Owens is so much, he comes across as just so much kinder. Oh yeah. Owens could anymore. tell me I'm going to die
1: tomorrow. I'm like, really? Thanks. You know, I mean, he's just Thank such a. Thank you for
0: letting me know. Yeah, he's just such a.
1: He's so good. I thought it was funny that you know that he thought Max was a boy, so we're gonna we're gonna send someone to his. Oh, house. I know. Yeah, that was cute.
0: I know it was like a very like grandpa move, too.
1: Right, and yeah. I also loved I love that that he stuck up for her and said, "Look, it's your choice, and and if you want to, because that's how he's been the whole time. I mean, he said that in the diner with her. You yeah, know?
0: and I know people are are waiting for him to turn, and I I, I just don't want him to. I he's love not if Paul he hasn't riser. Yet.
1: He's not going to if he hasn't yet. I, I can't. I don't imagine. think so either. No.
0: But I mean, if he's alive, because we know that it that it ends you really don't see anybody from the desert after this scene. Right. So and they left him didn't they leave him chained, or the were the last thing we they saw? They left them they left him handcuffed.
1: One. Yeah. So well, before that, the- we I mean, we had the bit, yeah, because they kidnap him and put him in and get him in the handcuffs, and because Brenner got the guards to come after him and cut the phone lines and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I loved L calling out Brenner and saying, you know, did you make a right choice with Mama? You know, it was you who kept Henry in this lab. You know, you didn't. You know,
0: which okay, why do we think that he? I mean, honestly. What could he have done with Henry besides killing himself, if you think about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he thought that maybe someday he could train him or you know, have him come around, so sort to of, you know, but no, I mean, I yeah, I think it was But just, how
0: evil of it was him to say you're the one that let him out.
1: Yeah, you're the one that right, yeah. Like putting this, you know.
0: You're the one that let him like got a 15-year-old girl out. on
1: a on a guilt trip, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. And so I just I need to know more about do you really think he was looking Brenner was looking for Henry this entire time I think so okay that's fine that's what it implies and that's what I thought at first too but then the more I think about it I'm like why would he think he was even alive I would have thought that he had been disintegrated or evaporated into bits
1: yeah I don't know if he thinks he's necessarily alive but and he obviously has no idea how the upside down works or what, you know, the void was or the mind layer or wherever yeah. he went. But I think he was just, you know, kind of hedging his, not hedging his bets, but I think it was just kind of hoping, hoping, or, you know, somehow, you know, that- so,
0: or because, okay. So after I started thinking about this, I was like, well, maybe, you know, that's just what she thought. And it's probably true, but I'm like, maybe he also, he is so obsessed with this power that he saw this alternate dimension and wanted to control that too. And when he sent Ellen the first time, when she finds it in the you know, she touches it on, on his right. back or whatever.
1: Did he know that was in there? I don't think so. Why did she touch it? How far are you back? How far are you in your rewatch? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I stopped. I've only watched like a couple. I'm, I yeah. get. I'll get on a kick and I'll watch a few, and then I'll I'll have to watch something else. Yeah, further. I'm a, I'm
1: actually kind of really excited to go back and rewatch the whole the whole series again. Knowing,
0: to, and I know yeah. that people are like, Vex has been in it since the beginning, and I just
1: no, I think he, it he, works he, yeah, for the story. A, but yeah. I
0: do not think that we have seen him. No, and people are like, oh, the clock chimes when Will falls off its bike. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> No, I like, think a
1: lot of people are reverse engineering things that they hope are there. Which
0: so. is, I mean, it's it's, it's fine. fine. I like, mean, why like, not? You I, know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So that was my question about Brenner and Henry. And although I didn't don't know what he was asking, Fluff is going to kill me on this because she loves the Brenner 11. That's her favorite storyline. But like, there's so many components of it that I'm still kind of confused on. What was he asking her to do at the end when he's like eleven, please and she says "No or goodbye
1: and oh, then, goodbye he so he, he ask- wants he just wants her to understand or to believe that everything that he did he did for her oh. to, to quote Brian Adams from <laughs> Robin Hood everything I do, I do, everything I do everything I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. He no. says everything I did, I did for you, and I need you to understand that. He didn't want to die thinking that L didn't Why? believe that because I don't think he really believed that, but he wanted to convince L that you know to believe that. So I'll,
0: I'll tell you this, and good I, on
1: her for saying, "Yeah, screw you, goodbye, Papa." And you
0: know, but also they whiffed on his death; they totally it because I wanted Vecna
1: to kill him. That would have been good. Yeah. getting getting shot four times by a sniper is pretty good though
0: yeah but it's not I don't know it wasn't personal enough for me yeah it was just like Cersei and those damn rocks right
1: wasn't personal enough I don't think we mentioned it yet but you interviewed Sherman Augustus I did I did very kind man very very smart man
0: and he plays Sullivan yes he plays he plays um was it Colonel Sullivan
1: Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan.
0: Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan. Yeah, he talked about his time on the show and how nice everyone was. And it was before Volume Two had aired or dropped, so we he couldn't really give me anything. But he just talked about how professional everyone was, and he said everyone showed up every single day, just ready to work, ready to
1: yeah. i post a link because you, you had two articles. Right? It was mm-hmm. like, yeah. So I'll post a link to those yeah he, he actually had my runner up for best line with his oh or mommy and daddy fighting
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, and he uh he's another one that we do not see die in we actually see him walk out.
1: yeah, he's just standing there watching the surfer boy van go off yeah, into the sunset so, so
0: so I feel like he will be back. I hope so, because he is the next one.
1: Lots of neat shots in there. I didn't really talk about them, but I love like the straight down aerial shots. Any movie that has a straight down Mm -hmm. aerial shot, it's some of my favorite favorite shots. So they had that when the cars and the helicopter pulled up. And actually I saw somebody talking, I think it was on Reddit saying, there were two helicopters, where'd the other one go? It was actually just the one with the shadow, but the way it was filmed, it looked like two. Oh, gotcha. That was kind of funny. And then Brenner's death, obviously, when the camera's kind of spinning and you're going straight up, which I thought was, that was really neat. Neat shot too. So
0: I was just disturbed by how how willing those soldiers were to put a bullet in a fifteen year old girl. Right.
1: Yeah. Good well, beer. and the and the and his line when he shoots, you know, Brenner says, "Down he goes." I'm like, "Whoa." Yeah. 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 Like he is very detached. Okay, so let's go to Hawkins. The bit where. Brenner is doing the tattoo on uh, Henry at the beginning and says is there Nancy and then we see Nancy standing there like really freaked me mm-hmm. out but then we go in and we um we get Eddie with his this is music <laughs> uh, when they're looking for the music and it's uh it's Iron Maiden's yeah. 1983 Peace of Mind album which I thought was which was really great.
0: Would you know they're their mascot is named Eddie.
1: That's right. Yes. Uh, I actually thought they were in Max's trailer at first. I'm like, why does Max, you know, have Iron Maid? I but, thought that too. But then I realized it was, and they were in Max's trailer later When and we'll get there. So, So then Vecna kind of covers her, covers Nancy's face and gives her the vision of what we will see at the end of chapter nine, actually. So we will talk about that when we get there. She talks about how the Army is coming. they that Vecna showed her the four gates. the kids find figure out the four chimes and the four kills. Dustin has the great idea to not fight fair, uh, which I thought was great. Max was saying, um, you know whatever you do, just try not to miss." And then they all yeah. agreed to go to the war zone, but not without stealing the RV first. so why why did Eddie need a mask? <laughs> When he's being trailed by seven kids who are not wearing masks? Was it just a...
0: I don't know.
1: Was he just going to go get it himself and they all ended up following him maybe? Or
0: or maybe he thought he was going to drive out and they would all be down in the back. So his... But then he says, oh, I'm not driving it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... But I liked that it was Max's um, mask from the Halloween uh, episode. I know. Retreat Freak. That was good. The Michael Myers mask. And then Eddie's line, when you were just talking about, you know, Steve's got it. Don't you, big boy. That was ad-libbed. I know you know that, but that was was kind of a neat little ad-lib line in there. Then we get Steve's little, um, as they're driving, when he's talking to Nancy about the six little nuggets and, you know, he certainly has practice with the six kids that he's been taking care of. And then we mentioned the Lucas and Max scene. I like the, that's very presumptuous of you with the, the callback to the, um, also the Halloween episode mm-hmm. when Dustin and Lucas come trotting up and saying, we'll let you go trick or treating with us because we know where all the candy bars up. And she says, that's presumptuous of you. So that was a neat little, <laughs> little callback. We talked about the war zone and then we get the kind of the prep in the field. Uh, Nancy sawing off a shotgun, which is indeed a felony in most states.
0: Wait, I have a question. Yes. Why were they all scared of Jason when Jason had only been looking for Eddie? They, he wouldn't know that they were hanging out with Eddie.
1: I think it's just they knew they were trying to protect Eddie and that if they found them, that they might somehow that Jason might, you know, Jason is the enemy at this point. So yeah. even though Eddie's not there and obviously Dustin and Lucas stayed in the van in the RV, too, because they're in the Hellfire Club. I think it's just these are the last people we wanted to see. And oh, crap, let's get out of here before yeah. there's any trouble. So, And then, oh, we we wind up with them. You know, you mentioned Robin's line about how it might not work out for this time. And then later that night when they're driving, we get the Separate Ways remix, which is so Oh, good. it's so good. I really, really love it. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the music segment. But I think that does it for the episode if you want to get into some segments. Yeah, let's do it. What do you want to do first? Actually, speaking of which, we'll go right into my Colin moment, which is Separate Ways.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. So it came out in January of 1983. I was 11 at the time. Uh, Well, 11 and a half, coming up on 12. And I remember this was one of the first songs I really, really legitimately loved. And I played it all the time. And I was like a budding keyboard dude. And I played piano and all that kind of stuff. And I remember buying the sheet music and picking out the on the keyboard. It's just, I mean, it was just, it was literally a Colin moment. It was just, just hearing that song. And I know we heard it in the trailer before the season dropped, but just hearing that song, it's, it's, it's still one of my all-time favorite songs. I I love it. I love the keyboard bit. And I think this, you know, remix of it is just fabulous. I think it's just so, so good. So do you have any, any memories of separate ways or dancing at school? I mean, (laughs) you were three at the time, but.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, not. Not separate ways. I've always been more of a um, don't stop believing girl when it comes to journey, but uh, which is real played out now, but I still love it. Uh, No, I mean, it was... I mean, I remember people loving Journey, but I didn't get into it
1: until yeah. I was older. Yeah, I was kind of flipping back and forth. I did not know my calling mom was that, or was also because we had an Army Navy store. I remember I went to all the time when I was a kid because I was in Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, and Boy Scouts, and we used to go all the time to stock up for our camping trips and stuff. So we would get, we wouldn't be getting guns, but we would get like the shovels and right. the knives and the and the cooking no. equipment and and the you know surplus stuff. And I just, I, it was one of my favorite stores, favorite stores to go to as a kid. So I was kind of going back and forth between that in separate ways but I just I love separate ways so much so it was.
0: well I was actually kind of shocked that they put that version of separate ways in the in the show because one of my favorite things that Stranger Things does is they remix an 80s song for the trailer like and everyone's always like what's the song going to be and then you know last year or season threes was Bob O'Reilly the uh, season two was Thriller and they, you know, they remixed it a little bit. and But you never hear, you didn't hear season two or season three in any of the episodes. Right. So I loved it that uh, that they actually used
1: the song. Yeah, it was really cool. So, Okay, just a couple locations to go over. So let's play a little. Where in the world is? And these are the three addresses of the dead kids that Owen shows to Elle. So Chrissy Cunningham of the 82 Poplar Tree Road. Freddie Benson lived at 61 Cherry Street and Patrick McKitty lived at 23 Olive Branch Road, all three of which are roads in Durham, Durham, North Carolina. It's actually not Poplar Tree Road. It's Poplar Street, but there's a Poplar Street in Durham and there's a Cherry Drive. But we've heard Cherry so many times in uh, Stranger Things. Max lived out on Cherry Lane back in the first season when... The Van flip episode Dustin says, Meet us at Elm and Cherry. The Brimborn mm-hmm. still works, we're on Cherry Oak Drive, so they really love Cherry Street names, uh, in this show. And then there is an Olive Branch Road well, in Durham, too. So,
0: one of the people in one of the discords I'm in, they live in Durham and they took a picture of Cornwallis Road and showed oh. it.
1: And we're like, we, I see it every day, and I was and like, Curly, oh, Cornwallis, and Curly, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Okay, a couple tire peel outs. Obviously, the whole bit with the RV being stolen, and then Murray when they pull up to the uh, Katinka's hangar, that there's all kinds of clutch grinding and breaking squeals and breaking. My favorite one, though, was when uh, the Cali boys are driving and have been driving for nine hours in Salt Lake City and Argyle's talking about Nina and a little girl hiding behind a tree and Jonathan just slams on the brakes, which was really good. Yeah,
0: that's enough.
1: (laughs) And then the the Hummers obviously arrive at Nina, kind of skid to a stop. So those are the tire peel outs. A lot of movie references and callbacks in this episode. Holy moly. A ton. We should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. So the alien resurrection, uh, with the pods of the monsters, I'll just, I'll just go through the ones I had. And if you had the same ones or whatever, Yep. will saying they should take L to Vegas reminded me of rain man. The war zone logo looked like a combination of top gun and Rambo. Vicky was obviously dressed up like Molly Ringwald and pretty in pink or 16 candles. She wore the same hat in, in both the same style hat in both. The scene where Sullivan and his men charge into the bunker was straight out of the beginning of Star Wars, when the yeah. rebel forces are and Darth Vader comes in. The line that uh, Sullivan gives: "Quarter and search by twos, Hicks, take the upper level." That's from Aliens, yeah. almost word for word, right from the Alien script. One that I kind of caught—I don't know if it's real or not—but was after L downs the chopper. She kind of collapses on her knees in the dirt, which really reminded me of. Uh, Charlie Sheen and Platoon, which actually became the movie poster for Platoon, him in that pose. And mm-hmm. then at the very end, they're all dressed up and going and Dustin looks like Patrick Swayze's character in Red Dawn with the sweatshirt and the headband and, and that whole, hit, oh, yeah. Dustin's whole get up. So that's what I had. I'll blow through them real quick, but a bunch of I, them.
0: I, I had a bunch of those, but I also had Predator, The when Erica and Lucas are making their spears.
1: Oh, yep, yep, yep. That's
0: what that reminded me of. Any little things? Uh, I had a couple. Wait, did did you see something? Yeah.
1: What, what did What did you
0: see? I love, love, love Joe Curie's face when Eddie says, don't you, big boy. You can tell 100% yes. that he was not expecting it because he, st- right. he looks like he's about to stop. Right. And like, are we doing this? And yeah. then Dustin's face when Erica is talking about why they shouldn't go to Warzone. And he just kind of like, Like, does like a little smirk and is like, "Mm, yep. And then points at her, like, yep. She's right. Like, it's a good point. (laughs) So,
1: I thought uh, like a really neat continuity uh, bit with when they were in Max's trailer were the beer cans all over the place that you don't really kind of notice at first. But if you go back and watch, there's a Pabst Blue Ribbon can Mm. on one table, there's a Miller light or a Miller can on another table, there's a pint glass half full of beer on the coffee table that um, Eddie's sitting in front of. So, you know, keeping with the fact that Max's mom is an alcoholic, I thought that was a, a neat little touch to put in there. The guards in the Russian shack when Murray comes crashing through are playing a card game called Durak, which is actually a real and very popular Russian card game. I'll post a link to learn how to play Durak if you're ever curious as to what Durak is. A neat little bit when they were driving the RV out was how the trash bag was still hanging on the doorknob on the outside of the, of the RV, as they kind of rounded the corner and drove off because that's so i mean if you had an rv we kind of hang the the trash bag on the side of the rv so you have your truck which i thought was a neat little touch when they were looking up in the phone book for the war zone two little bit of insider kind of nifty little easter eggs gibson roofing and babcock heating were two of the companies mentioned mike gibson is a lighting tech on stranger things and annie babcock is the art department coordinator. So they kind of put their own names or or somebody put their names in for them. Uh neat little okay. Easter eggs there. And then the last one I had was the bumper sticker inside. I didn't get the grand old lapry and it's still killing me. The <laughs> bumper sticker inside the van in that last scene as they're driving says, keep your city clean, eat a pigeon. <laughs> that was a neat Gross. little bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry actually wrote in with one. She mentioned the presumptuous line that Max and Lucas were talking about, and also the Michael Myers mask. So that was hers. So, all right, let's talk about some music. First song when they're in the Surfer Boy pizza van driving through the desert is Natty Dread on the Go by Lone Ranger. This is the reggae tune that Argyle and Jonathan are listening to. Always got to put a little old school reggae in there. Came out in 1977 on Lone Ranger's debut album on the other side of dub. Nice little tune. Next song was Up Around the Bend as they were stealing the RV. This is by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Come on. came out in april of 1970 went to number four in the u.s and went to number one in canada and australia next song and this was when uh steve and and nancy are having their little talk about the six little nuggets this is fire and rain by james taylor i've seen fire and i've seen rain i've seen sunny days that i thought would never end holly's favorite singer performer just saw him in concert up in canada a couple months ago i Great think show. it was
0: so weird how they looked like they were going on a long car ride like a long road trip in that right scene. yeah
1: it's like they like just, just started
0: going across town yeah
1: right <laughs> came out in august of 1970 went to number three uh, for james taylor and then we get rock and roll hoochie coup by rick derringer at the war zone came out in 1973. So the people that own the RV that they stole the RV from were very into early 70s music. If we haven't caught on to that yet. Rick Derringer actually wrote the song and recorded it with the Johnny Winter and in uh, 1970. But then re recorded his own solo version in 73, went to number 23. I also want to mention, I won't play a clip, but I will send a link uh, or we'll include a link. Uh, so Rob Simonson is a very famous movie score uh, composer. Sean Levy. Worked with him on the Adam project, asked him to do four kind of orchestral compositions. Uh, one was for the main title. One was for Eleven's theme. And I'll post a link to um, there's some sound clips and how he came to do it. But Eleven's theme is what's playing in the final confrontation bit with Elle and, and Brenner when he dies. Uh, I noticed that had
0: a different tune, like a different sound to it than Dixon and Stein.
1: Yeah. And then the last song, obviously, is a separate Ray's remix. And I will put a link up to this, too. And this is all about how it came to be, how they did it, because the song wasn't recorded on separate tracks, or if it was recorded, they didn't have the separate tracks. So they had to use an AI program to isolate Steve Perry's vocals and pull it out. And then Steve Perry actually got wind of it and commented about how much he loved it. So just check out this article. I'll post it up um, on our socials so you guys can see that. So that's your music. Sweet. All right, a couple emails to get through. A couple tweets. First of all, we got a couple more on the uh, on the the the, the, the byler anti I see y'all. I, yeah.
0: I see you all out there giving us our one star reviews because yeah. I said I didn't agree with how you thought things. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion.
1: Okay? Yeah. So Lad Nelson wrote in. Skips Ahoy Pod really is showing the Byler some manners, and I love it. So, <laughs> I saw that one <laughs> um, and then Merced wrote I've really enjoyed listening to this podcast I love the deep dive and all the little segments and the column moments the movies the music as an 80s kid I love listening to the analysis from others 80s kids so so much nostalgia so thank you Merced I also want to mention too we did get some emails a couple of weeks ago especially from Amy, uh, Amy and McKenna and they were all about kind of theories after volume one going into volume two and we never really did an episode where we could have talked about them Oh, um, yeah. so I do want to mention Amy and McKenna and thank you for emailing in we just never really got a." chance to use your emails but there was some really good stuff in there okay superlatives well what are we starting with i always start with best line but we can start with we always end with MVP, but we can start wherever you want it doesn't matter Uh, we can
0: we can do best line that's fine
1: my what's your best line mine was the whole bit with argyle contemplating nina on the long car ride since when did we decide nina was a physical building and not a small woman Sounds like a small woman to me. It's
0: not a small woman. Small woman out in this desert would be hard to see. It <laughs> was really funny. <laughs> uh, mine was, uh, don't you, big boy? As I love it. And it makes me happy every That's time great. Eddie says it.
1: Uh, Eddie, I'm not sure why I love the idea of you driving.
0: Oh, I'm starting to sucker. Harrington's got her.
1: Don't you, big boy? So we got another email from Harriet, who's our 12 year old.
0: Yes, Harriet she's back.
1: From Australia. She wrote, This is great. I'm in school at noon on Tuesday, so I'm getting my superlatives done early. <laughs> Bless saying. her heart. Yeah. So, in my opinion, the little monologue, this is her best line, the little monologue that Will has in the back of the van mic Mike after he gives him the painting broke my heart. That scene made me cry so much because obviously Will likes Mike and Noah Schnapp is confirmed in an interview for Variety, and I'll include a link to that too, obviously. And uh, Mike just walked out of that like, cool, my girlfriend's not going to break up with me, but Will is crying. She wrote in all caps. Side note, Mike was a jackass this season with regards to Will and the whole from Mike fiasco from earlier. So go Harriet. I love it. (laughs) Sherry wrote in hers was the same, the Will, uh, Will and Mike scene. She said, plus Eleven's You Are the Monster speech to Brenner was really good. And Max's bit when they're done, when they're planning the Vecna fight.
0: I need to keep him busy long enough so that you guys can get
1: into that attic.
0: And then you can chop his head off, stab him in the heart, blow him up with some explosive Dustin cooks up. I honestly, I really don't care how you put this asshole in his grave. Just whatever it is, whatever you do,
1: try not to miss and she, Sherry also pointed out how that was a neat little tie-in, uh, connecting nicely with Nancy's, which she's talking about the sawed-off shotgun, guaranteeing one thing is that she won't miss. Yeah. Jason's best line was the same Will bit, but he considered that a monologue. So instead, he went with Yuri talking about his beloved Katinka.
0: She was named Katinka after my first lover. <laughs> Katinka also had very beautiful, very round
1: buttocks,
0: much like this.
1: Oh, Katinka. Ellie wrote in from Greece. Hey, Ellie.
0: (laughs) Hi, Ellie.
1: (laughs) Her favorite line was the Erica bit while she was sharpening her spear with Lucas.
0: Well, even though you're a bench-riding loser, you're still my brother. Just a bitch. That was very sweet. I liked
1: that one. And then Ryan's was Robin's line after they stole the RV.
0: I mean, it's not every day you lose your house and car in one fell swoop. Yes. Yes.
1: So those are the best lines on to most spirited.
0: My most spirited is the kids and, and the gun store in the war zone, because I'm telling you guys, if you were not alive in the eighties, most parents did not know where we were, or what we were doing. So they wouldn't have known.
1: But I wasn't at a store buying guns.
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't, but I'm just saying no, that clearly nobody's parents are.
1: Yeah. My most spirited was Vicky's outfit in the war zone. I just thought it was just so Molly Ringwald. And I, I oh, loved it. I thought it she was looks
0: great. a lot like her too.
1: Yeah. Sherry wrote hers was the brown, orange and white crocheted afghan and the Winnebago. Pretty oh, sure yes. We had one just like it. Also wanted to mention the Wander Indiana plates. I was born and raised in Indiana. And I remember when those came out, everybody hated them. Jason's was the RV itself and the, and the whole, the ambiance of the RV mm-hmm. and Ryan picked the uh, Michael Myers mask. So okay,
0: cool.
1: most stranger thing. I went with the demo dog operating table bit, which was just freaky and alarming. Sherry said the same thing. Ellie said the same thing and also mentioned the Demogorgon's in the tubes. And then Ryan's was the bit with Nancy at the beginning when she was under uh, Vecna's trance.
0: Uh, mine was, if you watch with captions, when Brenner got shot, because it says flesh bursts.
1: That was a pretty did good it- one, right? We, should, we can do a top did 10. It- we can do a top 10. Vomit best, sound? Best closed captions. Or, yeah, Whitney vomit sound. Yeah. Interesting things. Yes.
0: Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it. why did it say flesh Bursts. Yeah, right. I I don't think I could have heard that. They didn't need that. Was unnecessary. I, I think that. all
1: I heard was the gunshot. So that was yeah. yeah. Okay. MVP. Sherry said Millie Bobby Brown. Ellie said eleven. Um, she got her powers back, blew up the helicopter, and finally stood up to Brenner. Jason picked Noah Schnapp as the actor and eleven as the character. ryan picked Owens standing up for Elle, and then also Millie Bobby Brown as the actress. I picked Matthew Modine. A because this will be the last time I'll get to pick him, but I thought he really, really did over the course of the series. I thought he did a fantastic job, and he's one of these professional actors, so you kind of get used to him you know he's supposed to be this good, but mm-hmm. you know kind of shedding the tear and also i mean treading the very fine line between you know i'm a bad person, i'm a, know 'm a bad person, but I'm also trying to convince you that I'm not a bad person entirely. I thought he just did a really, really great performance
0: I went with eleven because. I thought she killed it this episode and she is
1: literally killed it, killed three guys in a helicopter.
0: Yeah. Brought it down. Like it was nothing. So yeah. 11 for me.
1: Okay. I think that just about does it. I do want to mention again, if you're interested, the rough cut podcast that Sherry mentioned, that's really, really good for, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff and how they put the series together. 5,000 visual effects shots. Yeah as many visual effects shots in volume two as there was in all of season three. All right, guys, that does it
0: for this week. Next week, we will be talking about the first part of chapter nine, the piggyback. So we're going to split it into two episodes because it is, it's basically a feature length film. We're talking two and a half hours here. So we're going to do that in two episodes. But in the meantime, you can always like or subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review, especially on iTunes, because that helps us get in front of other potential listeners like yourself. And we love the reviews. Like we said earlier, if you have ideas of stuff that you want us to cover in the deep, dark void, that will be the wait between season four and season five. Email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com. And to get your superlatives in or any fun facts that you want to include, do that at the email as well also you can follow us on their socials at scoops holy pod facebook and twitter and that's where we share all our links and stuff we talk about and we can interact with you guys on there so as always i want to thank everybody for listening and i hope you tune in next time thanks guys bye Bye.
1: Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.